Welcome to Signs of the Times, a look at recent world events from around our kitchen table. Welcome to part two of our discussion on education in the United States. Another point that Gatto makes is that uh, the product of schools or the purpose of schools is to keep people as children. And this is something that, that American industrial culture, the industrial production of films, uh, the industrial production of novels uh, tends to infantilize the entire population. Uh, yeah, it's actually, it's, it's actually um, evidenced by uh, a report in The Guardian that we carried, I think it was uh, from last week's podcast or maybe the week before, where uh, a, a, a Guardian reporter um, from the UK uh, went around the US interviewing people about their reaction to the, the war in Iraq and um, one an 80 year old man somewhere in the US I can't remember exactly where when he was asked about um, uh, about the, the war in Iraq he said well you know we had to do something about about those people and what they did um, did to us in 9-11 and when the reporter stated um, it wasn't Saddam or anyone from Iraq that had anything to do with 9-11 um, uh, the response from this 80 year old man was Whenever you start to say those foreign names, I just shut my mind off, which is a very infantile um, response from an eight-year-old man. Um, and, and in fact, he received similar responses from from other people in other age ranges as well. So uh, it kind of bears that point out, really. You know, indeed. Ariel Dorfman uh, is a Chilean who was active in the Allende government, working on literacy issues. He wrote a book back in the 1980s called The Empire's Old Clothes, and he discusses at great length how American culture tends to uh, infantilize the readership or the the listeners. Uh, and he relates this directly to democracy and to control. And uh, this is a quote from his book. He says, Perhaps it's inevitable that the consumer should be treated as an infant, helpless, and demanding in societies such as ours. As a member of a democratic system, he has the right to vote and the even more important right to consume. But at the same time, he's not really participating in the determination of his future and that of the world. People can be treated as children because they do not, in effect, control their own destiny. Even if they feel themselves to be utterly free, they are objectively vulnerable and dependent, passive in a world commandeered by others, a world where the messages they swallow have originated in other people's minds. So here we have democracies as large kindergartens with the uh, the teachers or even daycares with a few people running things and telling the kids what to do and voting doesn't matter. I mean, Just keep United, consuming. Keep consuming. In the United States, it hasn't had a presidential election in years. Uh, and what did George Bush say to the American people after 9-11? He told them to go out and consume, and this would show those terrorists that they hadn't won. It would show those terrorists what they were made of. Now we'll move to Canada, and we'll get the point of view of Chuck from British Columbia. What's the situation of the schools in uh, in Canada at this point. Well, I'm more familiar with the situation on the West Coast in B.C., where the default education system 
which most parents send their children to, is free. But there are a lot of alternatives, and a lot of parents use the alternatives, um, which are not free, which are um, cost hundreds of dollars a month. Um, but the university system is, and the college system, they have to pay. Um, the model followed is the Prussian model that you guys have been talking about for the most part, where the idea is to make the kids dumb. Uh, there's a lot of labeling of children as uh, um, learning disabled, uh, HD, or, you know, the ADD, ADHD labels all come out. I know many kids that have had that happen to them. Brilliant artist girl who still thinks she's stupid at the age of 30, but is producing the most wonderful sculptures, you know. So the goals are quite similar to what you guys have been talking about. We're much affected by what goes on in the United States. But by and large, it would seem that um, Canadians in general, um, I suppose I'm including British Columbia in that, um, they're they're more aware of, uh, they're, they're not as easily duped as as Americans. I mean, you know, I'm just referencing kind of um, uh, Michael Moore's Bowling for Columbine documentary and stuff where he went into Canada, and there did seem to be a marked difference between just the, the atmosphere in Canada in terms of, and, and, and the people and their response to to politics and to, to, to what was going on with their government, et cetera, et cetera. There, there seemed to be a marked difference between, and, you know, you're just talking about, you know, maybe 50 miles kind of over the border from one side to the other and you had you had a very marked difference between uh, the responses from 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 Americans from, from and from Canadians well people are more in Canada are more involved um, or think they're more involved in the politics I think Canada's uh, way of duping people is a lot slicker than what goes on in the United States where it's more of a hammer approach in at the south of the border Canadians participate in their own um, demise really much more than Americans do. Mm-hmm. Um, we're happy to pay taxes um, for whatever services we get. We actually believe that we have some influence over uh, what our government does on our behalf. And when we don't, I mean, we obviously don't, like when we get into things like free trade agreements with the United States or um, new taxes come along and we don't get what we want, uh, we forget that somehow. It just goes out of our mind. Okay, but th- that that's, that's that's like a that's an area that really, every, uh, that's something that everybody really across the world is is subject to and, and can't really do anything about. But uh, like the whole paying taxes, etc., that's so well established that okay, you know, I mean, there's not much anyone can do about that. But um, I mean, in terms of uh, lies uh, and believing lies from uh, from government officials, I mean, is it true that Canadians are more aware and more alert to that kind of stuff? I mean, are they as easily duped as Americans seem to be? I mean, what about the war in Iraq? Well, no, no, we, 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 uh, we don't, we believe the lies that our own politicians tell us. We don't believe Bush. Bush's Bush's lies are an order of magnitude larger than the lies of, uh, of, Martin, you know, yeah, Paul we'll Martin. Believe, we'll believe Paul Martin. We we won't investigate Paul Martin. We won't look at his Canadian steamship lines, for example, and wonder what, you know, what he's doing running these ships that are based in Barbados and what his relationship with Halliburton really is and, uh, you know, what happened, to, how do those drugs get on his boat that was found in Nova Scotia and all this sort of thing. That just is not on the radar. 
we don't suspect him, you know, of any of these things. The Canadians in general don't just don't suspect him of, of any kind of wrongdoing or any exactly philandering. That's right. Even though he's avoiding taxes and all the rest of the things that that you have to do in big business, hmm. and even though our last few prime ministers have been, you know, from the big companies in Eastern Canada, mm-hmm. we just don't think that there's anything fishy going on there. It just we just don't. It's just not there. Hmm. There's a time-honored tradition in Canada of big business calling the shots that goes right back to the period of John A. Macdonald and the the founding of the comp- of the country, when it was the railroad magnates and the banks who were running everything in Parliament, and this was just accepted as fine. It's on a different order of, different order of magnitude than a Halliburton and the kind of lies that. The Bush is getting away with, but it's going on, and as Chuck said, it on a more subtle level. But then that's the way it is in every country. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I was just trying to get. Um, but where I live, and, and the education system reflects this on the West Coast. We don't really care what goes on uh, in the center of the country anyway. Mm-hmm. There's more of a, a frontier mentality. Um, what about patriotism? <clears throat> We, there is patriotism in pockets in Canada, you might say. Like, um, the prairies are very patriotic. But basically, patriotism in Canada is what's in it for me, um, more than raw, raw Canada type of thing. Mm-hmm. Except maybe for, like, sports or that kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a mixed bag, I, think I, would have to, I would have to say. So if Paul Martin was to... Uh was to announce uh, martial law and some trumped-up kind of uh, claim of a terrorist threat or something like that, how would uh, the average Canadian, in your view, or the average Van Coover well, there was, there was actually There was actually a case where martial law was declared in the province of Quebec in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the war on terror and everything like that, if Paul Martin was to, well, was to get on board with Bush... Well, were blowing up, you know. Okay... Canada, the Canadian public was against the invasion of Iraq. Mm. However, um, Canadians are in Afghanistan. Basically, mm. Canada has sort of a clean up after the clean up the American mess mm. job to do mm. in Afghanistan, and we're also in the Gulf. Mm. Um, but Canadian public was saying, "No, we're not going to send our boys to Iraq." So that didn't happen. But we did invade. We did get. A, we were we were in on the invasion of Haiti last year. Mm. And there's not a whisper about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course, there's always going to be stuff. I mean, the French troops were also involved in Haiti to, to some degree or other. Um, you know, and there's always going to be certain aspects of uh, of government uh, that is uh, that is um, hidden from people and inaccessible to public awareness, from the average public awareness. But it's just... Uh, it was in the newspaper. And yeah. What do you want? Well, you know? yeah, exactly. But, you know, I mean, there's... Again, it's just... Uh, I suppose the the question was really to see um, how different Canadians were or are from Americans in terms of their ability to spot BS when they see it well, and whether uh, that has anything to do with the Canadian education system. I don't think we see lies any better than Americans do overall, you know. We can we don't we can see Bush lying, but we can't see our own guys lying. Mm-hmm. So you know, 
And the close but Americans can't even see Bush lying. Well, that's true, unfortunately. Not so all Americans, but many Americans can. The I, the Americans that I talk to can. You know, I don't think it's all. Mo- I don't think it's a monolithic no, view it's in not, the United because, States. You know, we're, we're very aware, like of, of of protests, recent protests in Washington, when maybe up to half a million people protested. But these are the these are the silent. And we're being poisoned at the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> which was nice. Uh, but you know, there's a silent minority or maybe even a majority at this stage, I wouldn't put it past them to be able to silence a majority of the American people who were actually anti-Bush and anti-the Iraq war and, and present uh, this kind of a unified American, or the appearance of a unified American uh, opinion, public opinion, uh, in terms of support for Bush. So, yeah, we just want to make that point clear, you know, because we are aware that uh, what we're talking about here isn't widespread or as... as uh, as Chuck said, uh, no. a monolithic block of, of, of Americans who are all completely dumbed down and can't see anything. But certainly, at the very least, we would say that it's, um, that it's a, higher, a higher percentage in America than in probably in most other, well, certainly most other Western uh, countries uh, in terms of uh, a lack of ability to, to really to read between the lines or even just read the lines. The other thing to 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 know is that um, Canadians are the Canadian system is really a, a branch plant of the American system as far as the corporate structure is concerned for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, even if the, the companies seem to be independent, the large ones are you know their business is being done south of the border, and that's a very plays a very major uh, role in how things are done. Of course, a lot of people would probably or may even be thinking that you know. The point, the real crucial difference here is that uh, neither Canada nor the UK nor any other country around the world uh, experienced attacks of the magnitude of 9-11. So that that, is, uh, that works uh, against you know, the American people in, well, in terms afraid. of their ability. Americans are afraid. We're not afraid. Yeah, exactly. But if Canadians had a 9-11 attack of that magnitude, would they all be? Uh, would they have supported the war in Iraq? Would they have? Uh, would they be gung ho? And I, just hypothetical. Stuff. Yeah. I can't, there's no way to answer that question. Well, exactly. Yeah, but uh, uh, you know, we're into hypotheses here. <laughs> <laughs> we're into but, speculating, are we? No. I'd say uh, that they'd be able to be para- manipulated no, in a parallel world. Uh, no doubt. You know. No. no. But but the point I suppose is that um, it's been four years now since the since the nine eleven attacks and the whole kind of you know they, they attacked us was is kind of starting to wear pretty thin. Yeah. You know, on on, on on most Americans, you would expect that they'd be to some extent getting over it now, right? Um, they're still scared. Yeah, because they're being told they're, they they should be scared on a on a on a daily basis almost. Uh, you, had the, you had your guests from New York who were describing that, I think, yeah. you know, very clearly, how scared they are there. Yeah, although I don't know if they were scared about terrorist attacks. I think they were scared about uh, martial law or a bunch of jackboots. Scared of scared, you know. American police come and kicking their door down. Um, Toronto had their, their uh, in Canada, had their SARS thing, that alleged germ that was, uh, that... Uh, prompted the World Health Organization to declare a travel boycott in the city of Toronto. Mm-hmm. It took the Rolling Stones to get tourism back on track. Well, thank you, Mick and Keith. <laughs> That's just great. 
But that was an interesting situation because Toronto wasn't the only city. There were a couple of, there was Hong Kong was one, mm-hmm. and uh, I forget what other ones. But the Toronto, Toronto um, lockdown was very short. And news leaked out just as that was going on, the lockdown, that uh, a doctor in Winnipeg um, had discovered in testing all of these samples that there was no such thing as this different virus called SARS. He couldn't find any evidence of anything like that. And all of a sudden, things got very quiet, and there was a backroom <laughs> meeting in Toronto with uh, Ontario Health and the World Health Organization, and Toronto was open for business again. Mm. So I'd like to know what happened in that meeting and uh, what they talked about. So our, our discussion here has brought up some rather interesting points. Um, as Jonathan was saying, the... Uh, Okay, so this, the school system in the UK is maybe not as bad as the system in America, but it's getting there. And yet, we look at one of the major allies of of the US and uh, George Bush and the neocons is the the Tony Blair gang. And of course, uh, the UK is a uh, one of the the coalition of the willing or billing, if you'd like. And so, obviously, you know, of course, we had you know the London attacks, and I mean, you know, obviously, there's there's a lot more to this than than just education and, and of course with, with chuck's comments about about canada it's it's clear that and and of course we're not saying that all the problems uh, occurring in terms of the war on terror and uh, the the creeping fascism in the u.s can be attributed to education but because certainly there's there are are many other factors to consider in previous podcasts we've talked about um our Cosmic COINTELPRO timeline, which discusses a lot of the the secret ops of uh, the CIA. Um, we've discussed um, the very real uh, technologies and effects of uh, mind control. That it's not just science fiction. There are ac- there actually is a, a very real science behind uh, manipulating the the human mind and the human will. Of course, in the U.S., you have um, as uh, as Chuck mentioned, there's the uh, ADD or ADHD, and and of course this is treated with uh, some wonderful products from the major pharmaceutical companies, and we've run numerous articles about uh, Ritalin and Prozac and all kinds of, of wonderful drugs which have some rather interesting effects on people, including uh, antidepressants that make people depressed uh, even to the point of suicide, and you have a, a heavily fluoridated water supply, and uh, there has been a great deal of research to indicate that uh, fluoride has uh, certain effects, some of which include uh, a sort of dumbing down of, of the population. And um, another biggie is aspartame, which is, of course, a, a wonderful product that was Developed pushed by several pharmaceuticals. And, of course, that was pushed through. Uh, it received approval because of Donald Rumsfeld and the wonderful work that he did. Who was aware that it was a poison, uh, that it was, po- yeah, that it was poisonous to, the, to, to human beings, but he said, and eh, so what? Yeah. <laughs> and as with picky, fluoride... Picky, picky, picky. <laughs> <laughs> and as with fluoride, there's, a, uh, again, a great deal of ev- evidence that uh, aspartame, uh, especially uh, heavy long-term consumption of aspartame, leads to a wide variety of neurological disorders, uh, including possibly Parkinson's disease. And so you have this, first you have the educational system, then you have uh, mind control technologies. Um, we, we had the, the, the story about the, the, the um, 
Jose Delgado and the bull and he presses the button and the bull stops dead in its tracks. Um, Richard Dolan in his book UFOs and the National Security State talks about uh, decades ago they had a, a small uh, radio transmitter at a, a specific frequency. It sent out a specific kind of signal and you could uh, project voices into people's heads. You could uh, influence their, their mood and their emotions. Uh, yeah, and I mean, some people may... may um may think that this seems a little far-fetched to suggest that this is actually uh, w- one of the ways in which this is being affected or which this dumbing down of, of Americans is being affected. But um, the fact is that if you accept the, at this point, really conclusive or irrefutable evidence that, that the U.S. education system has been deliberately organized and deliberately set up to uh, to, to, to dumb down or to, to make, uh, stupid kids, essentially. Well, that clearly shows that that this is an agenda. This is this is a this is a a, a policy and a, a a goal that they're trying to achieve. So that if there are technological uh, means by which, or if the powers that be have, uh, have the, the the American government has discovered technological means by which they can push this uh, process along a little, then. Are we really going to suggest that that they wouldn't employ those? Huh? Yeah, of course, by American government, you know, it's it's certainly um, you know we've often commented on the science page that George Bush uh, and probably several of the other goons in his in his administration are are mere puppets. But um, we sort of use the term American government. You, you want to call it the secret government, or you know whatever you want to call it. We sort of use the term generically because certainly it's obvious that uh, the uh, deception and manipulations that have been occurring in the U.S. have been occurring for, for generations. And, and this is, uh, again, a topic that is uh, discussed And you know, how is this all possible? Uh, it's a topic that's discussed in Laura Knight-Yadjik's book, The Secret History of the World and How to Get Out Alive, which you can purchase at www.redpillpress.com. On that hopeful note, well, we'd like to say... Goodbye for this week. We'd like to thank our guests, Dave from Hawaii, Erica from Hawaii, and Chuck from BC, and Jonathan from the UK. You can go to our website at www.signs-of-the-times.org. We'll be back with you again next week.